Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hello, ACB. This is Deb Cook-Lewis. After serving you for five years on the Board of Publications, I am now hoping to serve you as your first vice president. No matter who you vote for, I hope you vote, and we'll see you at the convention. Friendly Fair Foraging. Everyone has a story to tell. It's the very reason why we rise each day ready to face the next day's challenge that comes. Whether advocating, striving to advance disability rights, or finding new ways to forge forward in the ever-growing communities that we live in. I am Cache Wells, and these are the reasons why I pursue a seat on the Board of Publications, where my passion and purpose is to engage, educate, and empower others to get involved with ACB. This is Sunday Edition with Anthony, a news magazine show featuring human interest, in the spotlight, movers and shakers, and the news and happening that affects all of us in and out of the ACB community. Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to Sunday edition, I almost said visibilities, um, to Sunday edition. It's a very special, special edition for me. Uh, Anthony has asked me, I'm Terry Pacheco, and Anthony has asked me to host this morning or afternoon, depending on where you are. Uh, in his absence, we want to wish Anthony well on his uh, weekend away from the microphone, uh, but I do want to thank Byron for being here to take over all of the technical stuff so I can get a chance to actually sit and speak this morning with people who are women in ACB. This was a really difficult call to put together because there are so many women in ACB who are now or have been in the past or hope to be in the future um, leaders in this organization. This organization has, I strongly suspect, though I didn't honestly actually get an count, this organization has a majority, is, is the majority of members of this organization, I believe, are women. And women have played major leadership roles in this organization since its inception. When you go back and look at people like um, Marie Boring, MJ Schmidt, there were just so many people who were involved in the early days and continued on for many years as leaders and mentored many more of us to get involved and continue women's leadership in this organization. And, it, and I, you know, it isn't really an issue of just women. Um, We've had some great male leaders as well. Um, we've had, uh, it, it's, I think it's a little different population, uh, a different setup that things have sometimes have turned into. But we can get into that a little bit more later in our show th today when we talk with the women's ACB Women's Committee. Right now, I would like everyone to sit back, get a 
beverage of your choice if you'd like to have a cup of coffee or a cup of tea. And consider this something like around, like kind of like the, you remember the TV show, The View, and they'd all sit around a table and chat. And that's kind of what I'd like to do with this because view means a lot to me, not the TV show so much, not that I have anything against it, but here in the DC area, several years ago, we started an email list that we, and we would occasionally get together. And we, it was ac actually view was an acronym for it. And it was visually, it still is visually impaired, empowered women. And I, I just want to say that the group that are going to be with us this morning who are running for offices in ACB this year are really, really empowered, visually impaired, empowered women of all from all backgrounds in all areas. And I would like to welcome them all to the table with us today. Um, first of all, Denise Colley is running for re-election as secretary of ACB. Denise is, I know, I've known Denise for years. She's been involved on a national level. And I'm so glad to have her with us this morning. Connie Sims, the voice of independent voting for ACB. I think everyone seems to have heard and listened to Connie over the last several months with the vote now and the mock vote the other day and all that she's all the work that she has put in to the voting so that we actually have an independent private secret ballot this year. And that means so much to me because way back at one time, I was one of the people who first really pushed for that at the convention when I was on staff and was told by a board member that it they would pay attention to what I who I voted for and what I voted for, and I really really took that on as a challenge back then that someday we would actually be able to vote independently and privately, like every member of this organization should be able to do. Um, and Connie has certainly carried that forward this year. Um, I'm trying to see Penny Reader is this cache. I was trying to do this alphabetically and I wasn't finding cache. Uh, looks like somebody is unmuted. Could you mute, please? I've got her muted. Thank you. Sorry about that. Um, cache is cache Williams is uh, one of our newer. Uh, members of ACB, I believe, but she is running for the Board of Publications. She is one of the three candidates for the board. Um, she's talked a lot about change. Um, I think it's going to be great to have her talk with us today about some of the changes that she'd like to see in ACB and how she's planning to uh, carry that agenda forward. Um, Penny Reader. You know, who am I left off? You know, Penny Reader is running also for the Board of Publications. And Penny's got quite a background as well with the organization. She's running for re-election of the board. Um, and Deb. is Deb here yet? That's what I'm just looking to see. Deb, if you're here, can you speak up? I, 
there's a couple of phone numbers that have come in and I'm just not sure. I don't see Deb yet, but Deb, if you're here, please let me know so we can absolutely include you in Deb Cook-Lewis is the current chair of the Board of Publications and she's running for first vice president um, in what looks like it will, I'm guessing will be our first contested election at convention. Um, she's running against the incumbent uh, Mark Riker. I if, I'm hoping I haven't missed anyone. I think I have everyone. I want to welcome you all to uh, to my view to my view table of today. <laughs> and um, why don't we start um, with Denise? Um, welcome, Denise. It's always a pleasure to have you with us. Uh, you're running for re-election to to secretary, mm -hmm. and can you? I just would like people to kind of get to know each and uh, each of you a little bit better. I'd, I'd like to get to know a couple of you a little bit better um, that I haven't had the opportunity to in the past. So, can you just tell us a little about yourself, where you're from, what your career has been? Uh, you know, whatever, whatever you think we we don't know about you. <laughs> sure, I'd be happy to. Um, I am originally from Spokane, Washington, but have spent the last 30 plus years in Olympia, Washington, which for those of you who don't know, is the capital of our state. Um, I <clears throat> went through the public school system all the way through high school, graduated from college with a degree in social work which didn't give me, didn't, uh, jobs weren't really available in that field, so I probably should have majored in something else. Um, my primary work um, history has been in the field of uh, gerontology and rehabilitation. I worked for um, our elderly services information and assistance program for a number of years um, doing uh, intake one of, as one of the intake workers. I worked as a caseworker for multiple sclerosis for about six months until I decided that was just too hard on me and it made me too sad. Um, and then I went to work for our um, Department of Services for the Blind. I worked for about four years as a rehabilitation teacher and then became um, a rehabilitation counselor and did that for about six or seven years. And then um, I left there went to work for our higher education coordinating board. And I was the kind of the liaison between the board, the policy setting board and our uh, college, uh, community colleges and universities. And that was an interesting job. Um, while I was in that job, I really became much more literate on the ADA and um, section 504 of the Rehab Act. And so um, I uh, was able to apply for, interview for, and get the job as the um, coordinator of Region 10's um, Disability Business Technical Assistance Center. And I did that for about four years until we no longer had the grant. Um, we covered Washington, Oregon, Idaho, and Alaska. And that was probably, me, for me, my most favorite job. Um, <clears throat> I retired back in 2010 and uh, actually joined the National Federation of the Blind of Washington in 1977. And of course, we then became members of 
United Blind of Washington State because we decided we were going to stay private for a while and eventually merged with the Washington Council of the Blind and became now what's known as the Washington Council of the Blind. I've served as their president for um, essentially three terms because I served for two ter terms and then I was reelected a few late years later. Um, and that was uh, interesting. Um, probably my most favorite thing that I've done in ACB and WCB was um, I served for about five or six years as WCB's scholarship chairperson and then had the opportunity to get on the scholarship committee for ACB and eventually became chair of that committee. And I absolutely love working with students. I love seeing them um, <clears throat> come and learn about our organization and you know, really see what it's all about and then join, um, join us, which students have in the past. So um, that's probably been my most favorite thing. Um, I too served as on the board of publications um, for a couple of years and then became chair and did that for three years. And I love being chair of BLP because um, communication is so important to me. And then um, I became, I ran for and was elected to the board and did that for three years. And then um, last two years ago, ran for secretary and was elected. And that's kind of in a nutshell, my history. I think I have a thing about threes. I don't know what that was all about, but anyway, <laughs> that, that's me. Well, that uh, is quite an quite quite an accomplished background i'll say that <laughs> sure um certainly diverse um and didn't you I, I i'm trying to remember it seems to me like back in my day with convention didn't you also do the tours for a year or two in there or am i crazy no burl burl my husband burl did the tours. burl did it, he burl did did it. I knew, I, somewhere i'm connecting years. the two of you standing by a bus that's <laughs> yes that's right <laughs> I had to be the support. <laughs> oh, goodness, we all miss Burl. Um, just looking down my list here. Uh, all right, so you are running for that. I'm going to leave the three board of publications. Connie Sims, um, can you kind of give us your background? As well? Just kind of give us your background. Just would really love to get to know all of you a little bit better and let everyone listening today uh, get to know each of you a little better. And um, the th major thing I know about you is you are absolutely the, the voice of the, of the, of the vote. And uh, so can you, would you like to share some of your background with us? Thanks, Terry. I would. Um, I am from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And I grew up in Groton, which is a really small town um, in the northern part of the state. And I was born with um, aniridia, um, which means I have no irises. So I've been low vision my whole life. Um, so I lived in Sioux Falls since 85 now. So I have been active in advocacy uh, my whole life, thanks to my parents, um, my folks taught me when I was a sixth grader how to start advocating for myself and for others because um, you know the ADA wasn't around and when I was just starting school or into school um, the Rehab Act was just coming about so I remember my mom really fighting for me. I um, started my career in the banking industry. Um, I worked as a collection 
person for credit cards for a while. And then I went on to the regular banking and I was considered a credit counselor. So I worked with um, collections. Um, I actually repoed houses and mobile homes and cars and um, businesses. And then I actually worked with loan officers to get everyone situated, kind of worked with the tellers to make sure everything was correct. Um, so I kind of did a lot of multi stuff in that position and it was okay. Um, I wasn't real happy with it. And my dream was always to do um, medical. Um, I always wanted to be a massage therapist. So when in high school, I actually had taken some training and um, after nine years in the banking industry, I went back to school and I got my massage therapy license. Well, how cool is that? Then I, um, I always, I always believe in the, um, you know, you know, I, the medical side has always been the most important part of it. I believe in the holistic part, and I think there's a place for both of them. Um, I actually looked at being a chiropractor at one time, but I never wanted to go to school that long. Um, so I um, continued my education. Um, I started out as self-employed as massage, and then I actually went into, worked with a chiropractor. Um, and then I did some more self-employment. And I worked for a couple more um, chiropractors. And the one chiropractor I worked for, uh, he actually treated me like a doctor. He, he said, I have as much knowledge as he did and the other chiropractor. And um, so he, he would actually, they would actually refer to me and, and come counsel with me. I did that a lot. Um, so during my time as doing therapy on my own or working for um, chiropractors, I first thing I continued on to get is my uh, sports. So I became a certified sports massage therapist because I always have loved health and wellness and big into sports. So I pursued that and um, got certified in sports massage therapist. So actually I could go and actually work for a professional um, team, like a football team or baseball team or someone if I wanted to with that, the degree I have with that. Um, then I decided, you know, I was looking at, um, I had a lot of referrals with doctors and I was trying to decide what I wanted to do. So I, um, the doctor that I really was close to, the chiropractor that I was going for, he actually decided about the same time I did, um, he had been working with his family and he decided to move overseas to be, do some missionary work with his family. And about that time, um, my husband and I had decided that it was about time for me to move on. Um, things were changing at the office that I worked for and to start my own business. And I was working on getting, I had done some interviews at um, Sanford Health here in Sioux Falls, which is a major health system worldwide. And um, so I had been in talks with them. So I actually left there and started my own business again and had a lot of people follow me. I was always booked. So then I ended up getting into Sanford Health and I was asked to start their program. They never, they had had some a therapist over like in the physical therapy area, but they never really um, had the medical part of it. So 
um, I was asked to come in and design and develop and run the massage program at Sanford Health. So I did that, started it from ground up, um, and I worked with doctors. They referred patients to me, but it was also open to the staff and to any of my other clients or anyone else that wanted to come. So I had some great memories working with um, people. I had one, you know, I had one gal that her husband, they were in a horrible accident and they, I was able to work with her while the doctors were able to work with him um, and get them healed. Um, so then when I was there, I decided to pursue my degree into certified lymphedema technician. Because um, I had always had training in lymphedema, but being a lymphedema technician um, was a little bit different. So I was the first massage therapist in South Dakota to get that degree and um, loved it. I worked with a lot of the heart and vascular doctors. Um, my director, the, my boss, oversaw them. So um, got to work with them. And then I decided um, the top that you can go is a medical massage practitioner. So I decided that was my, always my dream. And so I became a medical massage practitioner. Um, so about that same time, um, my husband and I were in a tragic car pedestrian accident and um, got um, permanent injuries from that. The car sat on top of me and um, continued to work for a while. Um, I was off work for quite a while. Sanford and I parted ways and I worked out of my home for a while again. And last year I had been praying and trying to decide when to tire. I had been doing um, therapy for 25 years and it was starting to take a toll on my body, especially after the accident. And so I decided to retire um, from that. So that's been a kind of a difficult decision. Um, but that was the same day that I got the call from Eric Bridges to say that I had won um, the M, uh, JP Morgan Chase Fellowship. So it was like a sad morning, but then it was in the afternoon. It was a wonderful experience to know I had won that. So I have, um, am the president of the South Dakota Association of the Blind. I'm in my third year. Um, I have been in other positions and I am on a lot of other local boards, pedestrian boards. Um, I was on some transportation boards. I just finished up being on the state board for the services of the blind and visually impaired in 2017. I was awarded the governor's award for outstanding citizen with a disability due to my, um, congratulations. Thank you for my, um, advocacy work. When I worked at Sanford, I was actually published. I was reached out by a company and, um, I was published by a national magazine, Massage, and wrote articles about um, being starting the massage therapy program at Sanford, and then ended up having um, an ebook published. So it's been kind of a whirlwind. So now I'm kind of just doing advocacy work, um, a lot of boards, and doing that's kind of where I'm at. And so you got the J.P. Morgan Chase leadership. Uh, fellowship uh, last year, which is great. Let me just uh, let me just give you a heads up. For many years, we had a member of the board of directors of ACB who was a chiropractor, 
And on more than one occasion, he would just go around and massage everyone's necks and shoulders after some of our board meetings. Well, that's a wonderful you, idea. You very well make it get drafted into that if you get elected. Well, I have to tell you the story in D.C. Um, <laughs> so I came when I went to D.C. last year, right before the pandemic, before we got shut down, um, I attended the board meeting and um, I was actually sitting right next to um, Rick Morin. And um, all of a sudden, this this lady um, who was also watching or listening to the meeting, um, I could tell that she wasn't feeling well. I could tell that something was wrong and she was rubbing her leg and I got into action right away. And I had actually ridden with her from the airport to the hotel. So I had already had met her. Um, and I said, your leg is cramping. And she said, yes. And I said, you're dehydrated. I said, let me work it. I said, I'm a medical massage practitioner. I said, let me, let me work on it right away. Um, so she let me work on it. I got, um, I believe it was Zeldon to get some water for me. I was kind of with the North Dakota group because I ended up being by myself and um, South Dakota because my husband was ill. So the North Dakota group stepped up and um, they got me some water. We got her um, hydrated and I worked it and I got it out for her. And then I helped her up to her room at break time. Um, so then I was able to help her. And then um, during another break, I was out in the lobby and um, I needed to talk to Sharon Lovering sometime. And I said, you know, let me talk to you. And I could tell that she was in a lot of pain. And I said, what's going on? I said, you're, you're a lot of pain. And she's like, my shoulder, my shoulder's out. I think I'm gonna have to go to the chiropractor tomorrow. Um, so I said, well, I can work on it sometime. And she said, can you do it now? And I said, yes, I can do it now. So at the same time, Nancy Becker had been standing there um, and then Eric Bridges was standing there. So I started working on her shoulder and it was out and I started working on it and getting it loosened and back in. And Nancy, Marks Becker had walked away and then Eric said, ask for Nancy. And Sharon's like, so she's gone. And he's like, well, can you help me? And she's like, no, not right now because Connie's working on me. And <laughs> he's like, okay. <laughs> I, I, got, I got Sharon taken care of and before she left, I, you know, I helped her out a little bit. So then a little bit later, I went up and um, Zelda had introduced me to Dan and to, um, Eric and stuff. And um, I, Eric's like, oh, so you're the Connie. He said, honey, that was fixing Terry that I, that <laughs> so yeah, so I've already kind of gotten to that little <laughs> bit, so that was a joke, so yeah. Oh, yes, Ed Doc Bradley used to always <laughs> to just kind of walk up behind you and get started, and was like, yes, I need this right now so badly. <laughs> yep, yep, I'm known for doing that and stuff, so. <laughs> Uh, one of the vascular doctors is a close friend of mine, and I would go over and do um, chair massages every so often, especially for Nurses Day and Administrative Day. And um, I was working with one of his nurses and talking about what time to come back or whatever, and he walked by and he just shook his head at me and walked on by because I was massaging her shoulders as we were talking. <laughs> <He was> just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm known to do that too. Oh, that's great. Let me just ask, um, 
I don't see by name, and I'm just wondering about some of the phone numbers that are on here. Deb Lewis, are you on the call by any chance? If you are, would you please unmute? Zelda is now here too. Yeah, I know Zelda's here. I was I was going to finish with the officers and board, and then do the board of publications. And I, I don't, you know, see I don't you're on here. I think that's the only one that I'm missing at this point is Deb, and that's I just wanted to make sure I wasn't. Uh, what about Donna? I didn't want to ignore her. Donna, are you, oh Donna, yeah, is Donna here? I don't see Donna either. I don't think she is because I don't recognize the phone numbers as uh, her area code. I don't think she is. Well, you know, this was, this was, this certainly wasn't like a candidate's forum where everyone's expected to be here kind of thing at all, but it was very much, if you could make it, you're you were more than welcome to join us. Um, so I think next what we will do is go on to the Board of Publications, and if Donna or uh, Deb do join us at some point, um, we can certainly pull up another chair to the table. Um, we have three positions for the Board of Publications this year that are up for election. Two are um, incumbents, and we have one new person. So what I think I will do is go in kind of a reverse order and start with Zelda. Um, I think what we'll do is we'll do Zelda, then Cache, then Penny. Um, so if you three kind of just want to kind of think through what you're going to say, I'm just curious. Kind of, again, like the, um, uh, the other ladies have said, what you are, you know, kind of a little of your background, your maybe including some of your history in ACB, um, what you think the Board of Publications um, has done well, has not done well, um, what you want to bring to the agenda, whatever. Um, let's start with Zelda. Good afternoon, um, and, and I'm so very pleased to be with all of you, um, you know, on this call and, and listening. Um, it's just fun to, to sit around the table. I just envision us all having a cup of coffee together, and Terry, thank you for hosting this. Um, I um, am from North Dakota, and I grew up on a ranch in Western North Dakota. So I learned in an early age the, the benefits of working together as a team. Um, it was a very much a family effort at, on, on our ranch and um, grew up chasing cattle, driving tractors and, and doing all the things that normal people do on, on a farm or ranch. Um, lived 24 miles from town, so we were pretty, pretty self-reliant in our in our own little world. Um, good good place to grow up in and um, learn responsibility. Um, I um, have three siblings, and um, and my father died tragically when when I was 15, so that really threw me into a. Um, I don't want to say a leadership role, but um, 
together, my my mother and and those of us that were left at home, um, my brother and I, um, we we took over the responsibilities. And um, I kind of kind of tell people that you know I wasn't the normal teenager. I knew my mom had her hands full the way it was, so I didn't do the normal teenager prank thing. So maybe as an adult someday I'll go through a second childhood and do those things. <laughs> <laughs> I used to. I had a friend for years who had a, a bumper sticker on her refrigerator that said, I'm not old, I'm a recycled teenager. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've never been there, so I, I want to do that maybe someday, <laughs> but I'm, I'm not there yet. Um, but I had a really good childhood and I, um, you know, didn't realize I had an eye condition. I do have a genetic eye condition called fundus flavia maculatus or Stargardt's, and I just thought, you know, I couldn't hit the ball at recess time because I was just clumsy or something. And then I found out that, yeah, I really wasn't seeing um, what other people see. And I uh, didn't, didn't realize that until I was through high school and college, um, um, was at work as a medical transcriptionist in a, in a hospital setting and just found out that, oh, I was exhausted at the end of the day because my eyes were having to do double duty. And, um, um, and I still went undetected for many years until I finally had kind of a crisis situation happen. And, um, and then I saw a retinologist and he confirmed my diagnosis. Um, but as I said, I, I worked as a medical transcriptionist. So I, you know, I'm very much into detail and communication and the written word. Uh, it's kind of my thing. And um, I, I was a little late in, in getting on this call because I was just reviewing some minutes and, and making some corrections. Um, you know, I just love doing that type of thing. Um, I started working at, at a in a hospital situation, the medical, medical records department there. And then I um, took a pause for a couple of years, had, had two of our older sons. And, and then I was asked by our local um, doctor to, to go ahead and work for him in his clinic and had a tremendous um, opportunity at that time to work with Dr. Larry Weed. He's internationally known for his, um, his work with the SOAP method of doing medical records, um, subject objective assessment and plan. Uh, that's kind of the way all medical records are, are done now. He, he invented that in the, or, or promoted that in the, in the 50s. And, um, and when we worked with him in the 80s, he um, realized what an important tool the computer could be. And he um, actually wanted to, um, work with a small clinic, which we were, and um, do um, that type of, of electronic medical records um, um, creation. And so the doctor that I worked with and I worked with his programmer um, and, and we, we developed a, a program uh, such as that. So that was really a, a fun thing to do. I worked for Dr. Bartholomew for many years and really enjoyed my work. Um, and then we transitioned, he, he left our small town and, and we formed a healthcare network where the, the clinic, the hospital, the home health, uh, the nursing home, um, 
everything was under one one umbrella, uh, I, and we developed a healthcare network, and I became the um, the director of outpatient services, uh, which meant I managed the clinic. Um, I was the director of of the uh, specialty clinics that came to town. We had eight different. Uh, specialty clinics that came and most of the doctors flew in via airplane to our small town and um, I would make sure that their clinics were um, all the all the patients and all the records were ready and and made sure the doctors were happy that's that's a fun job (laughs) (laughs) and and sometimes I succeeded at it so (laughs) I also doing during the time I was working at the hospital was um I did the credentialing of the professionals, made sure that, uh, you know, when they said they had a degree, they really had a degree, you know, that's, that's a little, you know, when they say they graduated from a, a medical um, facility at Guadalajara, Mexico, you wonder sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> but, and I also um, got to do the marketing for our healthcare network, so I wore kind of many hats, and I I oversaw the the medical records department um, that handled the medical records for for all of these entities. And um, it was a fun job, very demanding job, but I I drove 15 miles to work. And uh, when I got to the point where my vision was decreased enough that I didn't feel safe driving anymore, um, I left my position there and we moved to North Dakota. and um, my husband and I had, had lived in, in uh, South Dakota um, for like 19 years. And so I, I, I moved back to North Dakota. Um, we um, got a position here and I started doing medical transcription from my home, which I enjoyed. At that time, I had a preschooler, uh, a child in, in um, elementary school, one in junior high, and well, actually two in high school. And um, so I, I got to be the mom that um, brought bars to every occasion that happened. <laughs> 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 when I baked, my family knew better than to dive in. Um, they, they'd say, well, what is this for? You know, and, and it, they, they, they knew that they should ask before they started eating. <laughs> <laughs> but I thoroughly enjoyed that. You and- trained them better than my mother did. <laughs> She'd get mad after we ate it. <laughs> Then we ask. (laughs) Exactly. But it it was a fun time. Um, I really missed um, not being with people, um, though, when I was doing transcription from home. It was was very much um, still very interesting for me. Um, I subcontracted for a company and um, I could do transcription for you know, uh, various different um, specialties and whatnot. It was it was an interesting time, but I really sought to have that personal interaction with people. So um, I did discontinue that and I started working for an insurance agent um, in his office, answering the phone, doing filing, doing letters, doing, um, you know, um, all of all of that, um, all that needs to be done in an office atmosphere. And it's one of those job descriptions and anything else that needs to be done, you know, kind of thing. And um, I continued that until just this, till the pandemic hit. And we were located in a building right across the hall from a pharmacist. So um, I, I have an autoimmune 
um, disorder that that puts me at high risk um, for COVID, and and I thought it was just safer for me to stay home. So um, that's that's kind of my professional. Um, uh, career in a nutshell. Um, when I worked with the healthcare network, I was involved in um, creating all kinds of policies um, uh, and and being on the administrative team. Um, you know the the working together as a team, um, realizing that everybody comes from a different perspective. You know, introvert, extrovert. Um, you know, we all um, have our own comfort zone and recognizing that, you know, though somebody doesn't contribute immediately, that some individuals need to to wait, you know, until everything is processed. And some of us talk while we're, you know, going through that process. Uh, it was a really good experience for me. And I think it's helped. I became a member of, of um, NDAB in 2003. Um, and that's our, our state affiliate. Um, and of course, at that time, I became a member of ACB. And um, I became our editor here in North Dakota, uh, was editor for five years. And then after that, I was elected um, our vice president. And in our state affiliate, that means your membership chair. So I've worked um, with, with membership. Um, and all that entails, and and then um, I served my two terms, termed out as as vice president, and became president. And just in June, it just seems like weeks ago, um, I um, became past pres um, past president um, after serving five years in that capacity. I had my two terms plus plus my bonus COVID year. And <laughs> I really enjoyed um, that position, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to the next chapter, um, being supportive to the current president. And then I look forward to doing uh, some public relations work for our, for our affiliate. Uh, always, always something to do. And, and that's kind of what I, I tend to do. Um, I see a job that needs to be done. And um, when you volunteer, you usually usually get to do it. And uh, so um, I have been serving on the national level uh, in ACB um, on both the auction committee and, and on the DKM um, first timers committee and have thoroughly enjoyed um, doing that um being able to to interview um our our leaders and and future leaders um is just just a real pleasure and um knowing how um different affiliates work and and the experiences that people have um, really broadens um the scope of of what i think is is possible. When um, I was approached in 2019 and, and asked to run for uh, the Board of Publication, it wasn't, it wasn't on my radar. Um, I really hadn't thought about doing that. Um, but Dan Spoon knew that there would be an opening available or, or a potential opening, and he asked if I wouldn't consider doing it. And initially, I said, oh, no, I think I'm busy enough for already and, <laughs> and and as the week wore on I thought 
no, I think I can do this. I talked to my husband and he's always supportive of whatever I choose to do. And, um, and I, I decided to run and, and I really have enjoyed being on the BOP, not knowing what I was getting into to begin with. Um, but it really, it really does, um, you know, address um, the, the work that I have done in, in policy and, and uh, in communications um, and as a former editor, you know, all of those things. And I really have, have enjoyed it. I, I feel like I have gotten my feet wet, so to speak, in the past two years. And I feel like I'm, I'm better positioned now to really hit the ground running and, and contribute uh, even more, especially since um, I don't have those responsibilities as being a, a, an affiliate president anymore. So I do have more available time. I wish we had more than 24 hours a day. And, and <laughs> <laughs> but none of us have figured out how to clone ourselves. So uh, we do have time constraints and we have to admit that sometimes, um, even if we try and, and, and burn the candle at both ends. So um, I'm, I'm a wife. Um, I, you know, I, I've been married for 44 years. Um, I have four grown sons who have blessed me with 11 grandchildren. Um, and we just got back from spending a week with our youngest grandchild. He's three months old. And what a delight. Oh, um, how wonderful. When they say that babies, you know, are proof that, um, and that there's hope in our future, you know, it is so true. And, and so grandma's batteries have been recharged and, and I, <laughs> I really, really enjoy that. What, what I foresee is at, at the BOP, um, I don't know, you know, I, I think maybe some of the, the traditional duties of the BOP, um, maybe changing or maybe need to change, um, you know, with with the addition of the steering committees and and the work that is being done on that level, I think that somewhat changes what we do. Uh, not that there's not more to do now with with you know the ACB media, um, you know, and and all of those changes. Um, I listened yesterday to the roundtable and uh, discussion. And oh my gosh, there's so much going on, so many opportunities. Um, we are are trying, and I say we as as in ACB in general, very hard to include everyone and and to meet them where they're at, um, no matter you know um, what their abilities or resources are. And um, I just I'm excited to be a part of of. Um, of all that and to, um, COVID has taught us to, to think outside the box. Um, you know, we don't have to do what's always been done. Um, you know, we've, we've gotten more creative and I just see a real um, explosion happening and where that takes us, I don't know, but I am a doer, um, you know, I, um, and I am uh, really ready to get in there and, and um, use my experiences. Um, you know, we, we are a part of all that we have met, you know, our experiences, the people we've run into, uh, the people we've worked with. Um, and, and I thoroughly believe that, that we take those experiences and, and use them to, 
to do what we can do in the season that we're at in our life. And yeah, that's, that's kind of me. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think the board of publications does have, um, is in a very unique, unique position, um, at this point with all of the new communications that are going on, because it's the, actually, I think as, unless something's changed, I, I can't say that I've read the constitution cover to cover of late. Um, I used to know it extremely well back in the day, but, um, the Board of Publications is really the only um, communications, if you will, the only communications arm of the organization that is actually uh, mandated in the Constitution mm-hmm. and has its own bylaws, has its bylaws, uh, or there are bylaws specific to the BOP. And I, I think that's an interesting issue is what's going to happen. I think there's going to be a lot of changes to the Constitution coming up. Mm-hmm. And um, what's going to, you know, what role is the Board of Publications going to play in the whole communications field? Right. Um, and and in, we have in to. In the future. And I think that's really good. Mm-hmm. And I hate to cut this short, but yes. I really want to give uh, Cachet and Penny uh, each a few minutes. Um, Absolutely. To kind of get through things. And then we're just going to kind of open it up after that. Okay. So, um, Cache Williams, you are our newest, uh, uh, what's the word I'm trying to say? You are the the one person who's not an incumbent. I'm saying the newest incumbent um, (laughs) to the the election process of ACB. I want to welcome you. And the same thing, I want to give you a chance to tell us a little bit more about yourself and help us all to get to know you a lot better. Well, thank you so much, Terry, for having me. And um, I am Cache Wells. And I I'm am sorry, I said Williams. I don't know where I got that from. <laughs> excited to be a part of uh, the candidates uh, that are currently seeking a seat. So again, thank you so much for the opportunity. I am a native of Jacksonville, Florida. I've lived here all my life. Um, I uh, educated here locally. I pursued a career in the healthcare where I did medical triage for many years. And then um, because I am a woman of faith, um, I am very uh, in tune to uh, being obedient to the direction of where I'm going and um, opportunity happened and I end up changing careers to imports and exports and then one day I lost my vision um, it was very uh, life-changing for me um, I have one thing that has been constant in my life yeah, even outside of working in healthcare and import specialists um, the one thing that has been constant in my life is volunteering volunteered for um, many years over 30 plus years I have given back here locally to the homeless shelter doing uh, projects with the youth and teen parents uh, adults women and women empowering them to be their better self best self uh, looking to the future what that looks like for them uh, giving life skills and peer skills also working with the uh, local Jacksonville Urban League where I've done many workshops and trainings um, creating new initiatives and uh, working with teen parents to get their GED and I've also worked uh, most of my life 
giving back my service to God. And I've been a youth coordinator, a youth leader. I've been a Sunday school teacher. I've taught dance, which is uh, praise dance for 22 years at my current church, uh, where I am a part, um, where I am a member of. And I just love to get involved in the things that give me passion, that drive me, that gives uh, hope to those that may feel like they don't have hope. Um, and one thing that I do know is when I transitioned from being on mission education chair with the American Cancer Society and the project that I was working for, it was there that I lost my vision and I needed to find a way to advocate for myself. And so what I did was I researched what is available in my own city. I never heard of anything about blindness or blind awareness. I never heard anything about Jacksonville Urban, uh, the Jacksonville Council of the Blind. And so I, I had to find it out for myself. And when I found that group of people, that community, that family, I began to get involved. And I did that. So I've been a member of the local chapter since 2016, 17, I believe. And I have come right in to what I feel like is my local family. Uh, it has allowed me the growth and the experience to be able to pursue passions that I am passionate about, which is literacy. So it helped me to create uh, new initiatives where I was instrumental in working with our our group of our group here locally to partner with the local education system to do story times with the elementary students to teach them about uh, different avenues and different ways of seeing reading and seeing and looking at literacy. And so we partner with them. We also partner with the high school to talk about safety, not just driving, but the white cane safety laws and how that looks for them and what that looks like and how they can help us be better pedestrians as blind, um, blind and visually impaired persons. And so um, in that process, I began to find my love for writing again. And so I have since wrote a couple poetry books. So I am a published author. And then I said, I looked to my state and said, how can I get involved with my state? And I reached out to uh, the young gentleman who was the editor at the time. And I say, look, I don't know whether you need some help, but I'm willing to help. And he, he welcomed me in. He allowed me the opportunity to have a standing article or a standing column. And I've been writing in that uh, the, the WCB uh, probably since about 2018. And then, of course, the pandemic hit. And I said, I've got to find more things to keep me occupied. I want to do more. I got connected with ACB's community calls and it encouraged me to become a part of the ACB um, on the spec of the convention. Because um, looking at it abroad or looking at it at a distance, uh, ACB was something that was something off from a distance. And that, I do know that that is a one way that the BOP can be of help because many of us didn't realize that we could be a part of what ACB had going on, that we could go to ACB conventions and things like that. And getting connected with the community calls allowed me that. It allowed me to meet a group of people and they were talking about, there was a buzz about, oh, well, what are we going to do? ACB is going to do it virtually. And I said, you know what? I think I'm going to register. And that's what I did. And it was in 
going to the general session, going to a couple of the sessions, I found my, uh, as they say, my, uh, <laughs> my other part of my family and friends in art, and I uh, attended several of the workshops that they had. But by the time the convention was over, I knew I wanted to do even more. And I got connected uh, thereafter with facilitating a community call, then going on to becoming a host for ACB. And um, it just spirals from there. It's that the more that I find myself getting involved, the more that I do want to do. And so that led me to uh, one day seeing the uh, BOP after trying to um, get a couple, well, get an article published. And I realized that it was then that the processes. And I think the more that we uh, not so much look at change as a fear, uh, change is simply a process. And if we embrace change as a way of improving, that is what I see myself as a member of the BOP, to bring in all of the traits and all of my experiences to the table that can be effective in getting ACB's mission out, to be strategic in some of the processes, to give clarity as to what's required or what is available, to making us aware to that um, some of the operational systems that may need a little improving and to finding new ways to make every aspect of what this organization is available to those who may not even have the available right now. So finding ways to bridge those gaps and partner with the local chapters, the special affiliates, as well as on a national level to be able to bring about um, more inclusivity, inclusivity with everything and all components from the braille form to radio programming to the vlog, vlog. And the more that we allow people to get involved, we take that same excitement, that same energy, and we educate ourselves. And then we can go out and educate our community as to what ACB can be, what ACB can offer to our communities. Thank you so much for the time. Well, thank you. Let me ask you a question. You. Um mentioned that you had done the story time and teaching young children about other ways to read? Yes, ma'am. I'm just curious, did that include Braille? Do you, do you, have you learned Braille at all? Or I, uh, because I've done triage for many years, have tried three times to learn Braille. <laughs> but because my numbness in my fingertips, I have not been successful. But because I wanted to be able, I wanted kids to be, because I've worn glasses all my life. But never uh -huh. in my life would I ever have expected to lose my vision at 30. And I think that the more that we educate children, even at a young age, that there are many ways to be, um, to look at literacy. And so what we did was we took all-time classic stories, you know, the cat in the hat, all the places we go, the stories that kids love to hear and love to mm -hmm. read about. And we went to several elementary schools. We took a tangible Braille version of that book. We read them. We took a digital form. So someone read it in Braille, someone read it um, using a device, you know, assistive device, and someone else read uh, with the dual book where they could actually feel the Braille and see what that feels like. Um, so it was very exciting. Um, it was exciting to be able to, to, to travel to those elementary schools to be able to do that. That is great. Yeah, that is great. That's I was just curious when you when you mentioned that I uh, was just curious about the 
about how you would, assuming that since you were so recently blinded that you might not be super proficient in Braille anyway. Um, I, was, I, so. I, was I, I did. Although I do know that I do know, <laughs> I do know many people who have learned Braille as adults. And so that's why I just was, I was just more curious than anything else. Um, as a matter of fact, our next presenter um, did learn Braille a little bit later in life um, and is also on the Board of Publications. And um, she's our last, but certainly not least. Um, I have to confess, I intentionally kind of put her last so that it wouldn't look like favoritism because she also <laughs> happens to be one of my best friends. <laughs> we have an amazing, amazing connection. <laughs> We do. We, we do. Penny and I went to work at ACB on the same day, back in nineteen, in September first of nineteen ninety nine. We then discovered that our husbands have the same birthday, um, five years apart, and then we discovered, on top of that, that we were married on the same day. Our anniversary is the same. So we decided that we had to, that there was something that was drawing us. <laughs> something had, 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 had come into our lives. And so I didn't want anyone to feel that I was giving her any special treatment. So Penny, that's the reason that you're last on this list, I'm afraid to say. <laughs> well, I understand and thank you, Terry. Uh, <laughs> um, those twin vision books are wonderful, aren't they, Cache? That's actually how I practiced Braille when I first learned it. I had a five-year-old at the time, and he was learning to read, and I was learning to read Braille, and he didn't care how slowly I read, and uh, so we read those books together, and uh, that's really how I practiced. I had taken the Braille course from Hadley, and I also had gotten uh, some Braille training from my local rehab department. Um, Hadley was absolutely wonderful, and then those twin vision books, which are still around, and still available from National Braille Press. Um, they were a lifesaver and a wonderful way to learn Braille. Um, I uh, have been involved with ACB for a while. Uh, I was a staff member, as Terry said. I was the editor of the Braille Forum for about four and a half years. It was a job I loved. Um, and um, then I've been active in the organization ever since. I was a baby with retinopathy of prematurity, like many people in my age group who were members of ACB. <clears throat> when I was a kid, I, uh, I had low vision. Um, I could never read print quickly, but I could read it slowly. I could never see the chalkboard. I could never see anybody's face to see. I can't identify people visually. Uh, but my parents did not want to send me away to the Maryland School for the Blind, uh, which was two and a half hours away. And um, back then, when you sent your five-year-old to MSB, you didn't see him again until Thanksgiving, and they wouldn't do that. So I was uh, mainstreamed in a very rural public school. They kind of never knew what to do with me, but I succeeded. Um, but there were things I didn't learn because I didn't learn Braille, and uh, I didn't know how to use an abacus, and uh, I didn't even uh, really learn to read by listening until I went to college. Um, so it was an interesting, it was a character building experience. Um, when I finished um, high school, I went to college um, on the Eastern, I grew up on the Eastern shore of Maryland, which is a very rural area. My dad was a, 
a chicken farmer. Uh, he raised chickens for Frank Purdue. If anybody buys Purdue chickens, I do not. Um, so um, I uh, went to college. I majored in international studies. And then when I graduated, I could not find a job, um, which is not unusual for blind people, as we all know. I finally got a job as a transcriptionist for what was then called the National Bureau of Standards. Now it's called the National Institute for Standards and Technology, NIST. And I worked there for several years as a medical, as a, as not a medical, but a, a regular transcriptionist. And back then it was in the 1960s and there were lots of people at NIST who were scientists who had been, um, they, they all uh, had, lived in Eastern Europe and uh, behind the Iron Curtain, and they had all been brought to the United States under various State Department and Department of Defense projects. And many of them could not speak English well, but they were brilliant scientists. And a lot of those guys, most of them were guys, I think they were all guys back then. Um, they, they learned that if they told me what they wanted to say in their paper or their letter, I could translate it into acceptable English. And so I became very busy with all these scientists from Czechoslovakia and Germany and uh, Poland. Um, and um, so it dawned on the people at NIST that I could actually write. And my job became that of a writer editor. And I stayed there for a while, about five years. And then I went home because I was expecting our first child. And I thought I would go back to work, but I found that I was in love with the baby and I could not possibly leave her. And for the next 20 years, I was a stay-at-home mom. We have six children. We have two girls and four boys. And now I have six grandchildren. And so I spent 20 years as a stay-at-home mom. And then um, when my youngest child was four, I decided I needed to learn how to use what was then called a talking computer. And I went to rehab and got, uh, they funded my training and I learned how to use uh, business. Remember Arctic vis business vision? Oh my goodness. Uh, um, and um, then I um, began working as a transcriptionist again from home because I had, oh, there's still lots of little kids. Uh, and they would finally go to bed at 9.30 or so. And then I would work for the next three hours on whatever transcribing needed to be done. And I worked for a guy who was uh, working for the uh, State Department and the Department of Defense. And he was an Arabic translator. And so what I transcribed were um, uh, military documents from Iraq. It was crazy. Um, <laughs> I did that for a while. And then I found a grant that would allow me to go to grad school. And I had four of our six children had various learning disabilities. They're all doing great now, but they all needed some kind of intervention from special ed. And I um, was having to go to IEP meetings two or three times a year for several children. And I didn't understand the jargon that they were using. And I always felt like all the teachers thought that the learning disabilities were all my fault and I wasn't doing a good job. So I went to grad school and majored in, I uh, got my master's degree in special ed, principally so that I could um, participate as a person who knew what I was talking about in those IEP meetings. And it did help. Um, so uh, of course I was pretty interested in, uh, in blindness education and blindness rehabilitation as well. And then uh, at, when I was 
almost finished with a master's program. Um, George Washington University funded my attendance at what was then called the Joe Taylor Leadership Conference from AFB. And that year it was in Washington, DC and a bunch of people from ACB went to that conference and we all found each other. So I met Mike Byington and Debbie Grubb and Paul Edwards. And right about then, um, well, they told me to join the ACBL list so that I could get to know ACBB better. I had always read the Braille Forum, but I didn't know much about the organization. And I didn't even know anybody in the organization. So I became a member of ACBL and got to know people. And then the uh, um, job vacancy for the Braille Forum editor came up. And they encouraged me to apply and I got it and I did it. And that was wonderful and I enjoyed the job. When I left the Braille Forum, uh, I became a rehab teacher for a while. And after that, I went to work uh, for a company that uh, it was called, it is, I think it's gone now, but it was called Getting Hired. And what they did was help people with disabilities find work. And I wrote a blog for them and I enjoyed that very much too. And then the uh, first recession came by and uh, everybody in the world lost their jobs and that included me. Um, and um, so I was kind of retired for a few years and then I went to work for the VA uh, as a contractor. And I wrote the curriculum for teaching JAWS and NVDA. And then I helped teach those classes. And they also worked with various members of the VA staff who are blind and visually impaired to apply the principles of using JAWS to doing their work. And that contract ended about two days ago. And so now I am uh, footloose and fancy free again. <laughs> I, uh, as a member of ACB, I got my first guide dog, Lori, uh, when I was working for ACB. And I also joined Guide Dog Users Incorporated at that time. And in 2013 and 2014, GDY seemed to have a little communications crisis. And um, I ran for president of GDY and was elected and served as their president for six years. And um, one of the best things I did at that time, Denise, was to take Burl's leadership training class because I had no idea what you do if you're president of an affiliate. And I learned almost everything I needed to know at that, at that class. It was fabulous. And the other thing that really helped me uh, succeed as president of GDY was that I had a fabulous board and everyone helped everyone else. And that's really how we all succeed in, in uh, ACB as well as in the special interest affiliates. So that kind of catches you up. Um, I'm running for my second term as a member of the Board of Publications. I think nothing is more important than communication. Um, one of the reasons GDY fell apart when it did was because communications were being stifled and members didn't know what the leaders in GDY were doing and leaders didn't know what the members wanted them to do. Um, and so we need communications to work in ACB so that we can communicate back and forth between our members and our leaders and so that we can tell the rest of the world who we are so that unlike Cache, who had never heard of us, people who are blind are gonna to get to know that there is an organization that has a community that supports them and an organization that advocates for what they need. And so that's why I'm a member of the BOP and I'm enjoying it. And I hope you'll reelect me again. And I think that catches you up. Thank you, Terry. 
I think it does. Um, let me just ask, there were a couple of more women who were running for offices who I don't see on here, but I do see things like iPhone, iPad. If either one of you, Donna or Deb, are here, please unmute and join us. Um, I'm, I'm just not sure. I, I, I never did actually get a complete list of who was going to be on today and who wasn't. So who was not going to be able to make it. So I'm sure they had other commitments if they're not with us. But uh, I'm sure Deb is like probably up to her ears in uh, all the work, all the work that she does for convention. Um, and I do notice um, Jane Tolino does have a question. Why don't we just kind of open this up and let anybody ask questions? And really, I'd love to have the our panel here um, talk about, you know, if you have any questions, if you want to ask each other something, ask me, ask our listeners, um, you know, let's just open this up as an open conversation. I think we have, um, we've got about, we can do that for about 10 or 15 minutes. And I've, we've, we've run longer than I expected. I was afraid. I was like, what are we going to do for two whole hours? Terry, would you like to? <laughs> um, but but we, we're, we are good talkers. So, um, Jane, yes. yes. Hello and welcome. Well, I'm glad to be here. Uh, long, long time ago, I was a far more active member in ACB and then family stuff moved us here and there. And But I want to speak to the issues of communications, one, and education, two. And I appreciated your story of how many pieces it took to get you where you uh, currently are. I grew up in a family with a mother who had a PhD in education. She started out as a physical education teacher, graduated from Our Lady of the Lake College in San Antonio, Texas, married my Air Force dad, and that began their, their travels. But I was disheartened by and disillusioned by uh, my first round at college at Syracuse University, because by then I had figured out that a lot of well-educated folks used that education as a smokescreen. They weren't honest about saying, you know, we don't know what to do with someone who is blind, deaf, disabled, black, whatever, whatever the issue was, they didn't know. And so um, repeatedly when I would apply for um, access to, oh, sororities or whatever it was, I was told, you are a great applicant, but we, sorry, are not accepting you at this time. The mm -hmm. education that mattered to me, and you've alluded to it, is hands-on competency-based education. I love it. I have worked in some wonderful jobs, but the jobs that were fitted to me came as the result of technical schooling in whatever it was, whether it was getting my child development 
certification as a teaching assistant, whether I was taking, you know, a, 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 a one-day course with the New Jersey Bell Telephone Company in order to become a camera operator, whatever it was. I absolutely believe that when you are a learner who cannot see, you have to learn with more than just your mind. You have to learn with your hands. You have to learn with your ears. And I want, please, for you to talk about that. And then the communications piece with ACB. I 100% agree with you. We need to have conversations. There, there are a bazillion community calls right now, but we need to have topic-centered conversations about whatever is the issue that we want to do better at handling. So I would like you to specifically talk about those two things, please. Thank you. And I'll go mute myself. Uh -huh. Thank you. Thank you, Jane. Can, can I be the first uh, person, Carrie? Whoever, any one of you just jump in. I wanted to uh, respond to your educational experience. Uh, when I went to undergraduate school and uh, I had signed up for chemistry, uh, I didn't do well at chemistry in high school, but I loved the chemistry teacher and he always really tried to, to educate me. I didn't get a great grade, but I got a C. And in, uh, at Washington College, you had to, you had, no matter what your degree was, you had to take at least one science class. It could be science or math. So I had signed up for chemistry. And when I went to the first class, the professor asked me to stay later, and I did. And he said, um, you need to drop out of my class. And I said, well, no, I, I, you know, I signed up for your class because I like chemistry. And he said, I don't care if you're a genius. I will not have a blind person in my chemistry lab, and you need to drop out. And I was new, and I was young, and I was away from home for the first time. And I didn't think I had any choice. And it was before the ADA. Um, and it was before the Rehab Act of 1973. And so I dropped out of his class. When I went back to school, it was in um, the 1998. And it was after the ADA and after all the Rehab Acts. And I found that things were much better. I thought mostly what was better were the attitudes. Uh, I was welcomed into the graduate program at GW. I had a wonderful cohort and they were all very supportive. Some of them read for me when I couldn't find things on, uh, and back then we were using cassette tape. Um, and all of them were very supportive and they showed me how to do things, as you said, with my hands and with my ears and with the rest of my faculties. And uh, um, I had a fabulous uh, mentor as a teacher too. And I remember one of my classes was moved to a different building unexpectedly. And in order to get to the building on GW's campus, you had to go downstairs and there was no railing. And I uh, was pretty nervous about going down those. There was a long flight of stairs without a railing. And I didn't have a guide dog at that time. Um, but I made it. But I said something. I said, you know, this is so hard. I don't look forward to doing this twice a week for the next semester. And my teacher got the class moved because it was inaccessible to me. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that was amazing. And, and that's what the Americans with Disabilities Act did for me. Mm -hmm. um, as far as hands-on education, 
Um, my major was in special ed with a focus on vocational evaluation. And mm-hmm. there were two practicums that one had to do in order to uh, get the master's degree. And the internship and, and the practicum were absolutely essential. And I totally agree with you. I think there are lots of ways to learn. Reading is just one of them. Yes. And um, education has to be made available to everybody with every modality that they can use. And so I totally agree. Um, as for communications, I, we, we totally agree. We have to communicate with members. We have to communicate with the rest of the world. And we have to coordinate all those communications. And that's what the uh, public affairs steering committee is working on. And that's what the Board of Publications is working on. And that's definitely my reason for being there. So thank you. So, and I want to jump in for just a second and say, like you, I went back to school. And what a huge difference it was. I loved the University of Minnesota. I will not describe the tremendous variety of learning opportunities to teach and be a student that I had there. But I will say this, one of the best questions you can ever learn to ask is, how can I get the help that I need? Not the help that you think I need, but the help that I need. Once you take a class and you see you need a tutor in Spanish because they're acting out everything, it's visual, whatever, you know, but that's a great question. Absolutely. And you're both both asking a great question. Can I just, I hate to cut you short on this, but there are two quick things that I just want to say. Um, First of all, I want to ask if there's anyone else at the table who um, wanted to comment on this. And then I also want to point out that um, our next two sections um, one of our next sections is specifically on education. Mm-hmm. So if anyone has any questions that relate to education, if you could re-lower your hand and um, ask them at that time, that would really be helpful. And I would greatly appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Thank you this, so much. This is Zelda. And, and I, I'd like to address um, sure. what, what Jane had to ask us. Um, and, and just briefly on, on education, I, I, I do believe in hands-on learning um, as, as a mom of four boys and, you know, mm-hmm. as, a, as a grandmother and, mm-hmm. and as somebody, you know, here in North Dakota, we have a wonderful thing. We call it NDAB Adult Summer Camp, and mm-hmm. we have uh, classes. It's a week-long camp, and um, I have, for the last eight years, been a camp instructor. Uh, first teaching bread baking and literally hands-on because how do you teach somebody how to knead bread without uh, I would have them put their hands directly on my hands and sense the you know the motions I was making everybody develops their own style um, but I wanted them to know what I did you know for my style Mm -hmm. and and it was just you know, is it important to learn how to make bread? No, we can all go to the store and buy a loaf. But um, it's important to be able to do things that you didn't know that you could do. And so yes. it's a, that enabling experience that I, I found was most important to teach my students. And, um, and for the last two years, since I've been um, found that I was I have celiac and and I have a gluten intolerance. Um, I have quit the bread teaching and now I'm teaching basic um, you know cooking skills and and have thoroughly enjoyed that too so I'm in preparations now for for that and as for communications 
Wow. You know, that is usually the problem with any relationship, whether it be a personal relationship or, or relationships between leadership and membership in an organization. It's communication, the lack thereof, or, um, you know, the, the inability to conduct it. And it's an ongoing, um, you know, challenge for, for organizations to do. And I think all, we just need to explore our options, um, be willing to make changes and, and just keep working at it. I think you're right. Um, does anyone else have anything they want to say or should we move on to uh, the next question? Hi, Cashy. I would like to say, um, when you think about education and you think about, um, the processes that are in place naturally people always think about the cited process and what happens is no one thinks about those uh, accessibility options for those with this with other needs and I think that the more that we have conversations the more that we get feedback from what individuals need then we can create something um, especially when it comes to higher learning there needs to be something in place to be able to transition not just transitioning from being um, there are many sessions that they have for being away from home and now moving you know to a different environment I think if uh, we find new ways to partner with the educational processes to be able to incorporate uh, more accessibility options that will be uh, very doable. As far as communications, we can never have enough communications. I would love to see more conversations about, uh, even in this community, more conversations about those who are transitioning as an adult losing losing their vision you know whether it's at middle age or whether it's at a senior age um, as well as partnering to incorporate more um, education for childhood um, childhood development partnering with educational system that is one thing that is I'm very passionate about um, as one who is a grandmother of one and I see him transitioning to having hearing loss um, and yet knowing that vision loss is in our family, the, he has the propensity to be able at some point to be dealing with both of those. And I think that the earlier that we start off educating, keeping the um, avenues of communication open for families, um, even partnering, you know, with uh, ACB families to do things. I've, I've actually reached out to uh, that area you know, to no avail, I'm going to keep trying. Um, but those are those are the things that I'm passionate about. And those are the things that I would love to see more conversations and dialogue about. Uh, someone said that we have many community calls currently, but we need more community calls that are specific to topics. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, anyone else before we go to area code 330? Area code 330? I've been trying three, four times. <laughs> 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 well, good afternoon okay. and what is your question or comment uh, my question is you know how uh, to, to cachet how long have, uh, when did you start uh, when, did, when did you start becoming involved in the ACB program I became involved with ACB last year I've been a member of ACB since 2017 but I became active uh, at the very beginning of the pandemic 
Yeah, people used to get on. People used to tell. Uh, they used to put doubts on me talking about what I what I couldn't do. You know, as far as you know, like uh, you know, doing you know, playing the piano. I mean, with piano or uh, uh, like using a cane. Or, um, but I do know braille and uh, that sort of thing. <laughs> Well, I encourage you just like myself. I keep trying. I, like I said, I've tried three times thus far. I plan on trying again. Every once in a while, I just say, you know what? It's time for me to get out there and just do it again. I, um, I'm not easily defeated. And even, um, the more that I become involved with this organization, and I'll say, I said it uh, earlier that regardless to the outcome of this candidacy, um, I'm still going to be active in ACB. I see that there are some things that I would love to be involved with. And so I would encourage you to keep pressing, to keep pushing forward with the things that you feel like you're need, that you can bring value because we all can bring value. It's just getting um, more, a more inch of, more in depth into what our interests are and how we can use our value to bring value to the organization. And that's all simply that I want to do. Um, one thing um, that I do know is that, um, this is a great organization and with all things we can always be better you know we're, we're better together and again we just gotta we just gotta work harder to just make sure that everybody is included that everybody's voice is heard everybody's perspective is being seen and you know we will continue to be better together for not just for our generation but for the generations to come absolutely thank you melissa melissa hudson you can, there yes, you ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Hi, Terry. You're doing an awesome job. Well, thank you. And, <laughs> and thank you for bringing these wonderful women uh, into our midst here today. Um, I just want to comment to Denise Colley because um, I am a member of the Washington Council of the Blind, and um, I was chair of our first timers committee, and she served with me. And I have to tell you, she really taught me a lot. As a leader, it, it, I had never done that before <laughs> when she joined. And, um, you know, I know you've had a lot of triumphs and health issues and things, but you just keep pressing forward. And I just love you for that, Denise. And I just wanted you to know that. Thank you, um, Melissa. Yeah. I really appreciate that. Sure. And, um, and of course, you know, we all miss Burl Colley, our good friend, who also was a great leader. And then I have a question for that young lady that was a massage person. Um, oh, I forgot Connie. her name. Connie. Connie. Connie, Hi, Connie. Nice to meet you. Um, so my question is, um, I am currently doing occupational and physical therapy for a hand injury that I had uh, last year. And my goal is to hopefully work for this company that's doing my hand therapy um, because they're a great company and they're just a lot of fun. And I would love to do that. And I'm just wondering if you ever encountered any issues with like software problems or software not being accessible to you when you did your massage uh, work and how you handled that. And thank you very much. Thank you, Melissa. Um, I, you know, depends on if you worked on, if it's a bigger company or a smaller company. Um, when I worked at Sanford, I didn't. Um, I have good enough sight that I need a lot of screen readers. I don't, I use like zoom text once in a while. Um, I actually use the Apple products. The IT people agree that Apple was more accessible and better to work with and to combinate their system on um, their big network. So I had, they had gotten me an Apple product to work on. 
when I worked for the chiropractors um, and I had my own business, some of the software was not accessible. Some of it is, it depends on what they use. And majority of the time, if you have an employer who, um, especially a small business that's willing to um, work with you and understands what your needs are, then they will accommodate you. Um, I had great opportunity with the one chiropractor that went overseas and stuff. He was very accommodating, made a lot of accommodations. So um, even when I went, I went to massage school, I had an awesome teacher that um, it was a smaller school, very accelerated program into six months. I was glad it was done, but they made sure that all of the medical part was all increased in large print that I could see it and color coordinated and stuff. So it, you know, it can be done, you know, if you want, we can always talk off, off the air too. And um, I'm willing to do that. So um, can you always get the information well, from Denise? Well, that that's good to know, because like I said, I, I, I really would love to work for this company and they actually want me to work for them. They said that I'd be a really good fit, um, especially for being like an office coordinator. That's kind of what my, what I'd like to do. Yeah. So, so if you'd like to visit more, we could definitely visit off the, you know, off the time. And um, I know that Denise has my information and, you know, feel free to reach out to Denise if that's okay, Denise. And, and I'm sorry, what was your last name? It's Connie. It's K-O-N-I Sims, S-I-M-S. Okay. Thank you. Well, God bless you. Thank you. This All is right. Kate. Can um, I just ask her one quick question about massage work? Or no. I mean, we're ready for a, for a commercial break. That's my problem. Make it like 10 seconds. <laughs> the question, Connie, quickly is, was there anything that you wish you had asked for in terms of assistance or adaptive uh, equipment? I studied physical therapy assistance work and ran into some issues, but wondered how you dealt with that if you had run into that. I asked for it and I usually received it. Um, I just okay. haven't it for myself. So um, okay. that would be it. All right. Now, um, Byron, I'm not sure if everyone needs to mute through the through our break or... Well, if everybody can uh, just be quiet for about uh, 60 seconds. You guys did not hear the disclaimer earlier? No, we didn't. Okay, so I'll just let you know when we're back if you guys don't hear these. Um, they're going through to the stream, but for some reason they're not going to Zoom. Uh, well, we heard the commercials, <laughs> but not the disclaimer. Oh, dear. Okay. All right, gotcha. <laughs> All right. Um, let, me just, let me just say to everyone, as soon as we come back, um, I'm going to ask... Lori Scharf and Linda Perel to come up and join us at the table. I want to thank all of the uh, candidates that have been here. I want to wish you all the best of luck with your, um, with your campaigns. And we'll be right back. I am Donna Brown, and I am seeking a seat on the board of directors of the American Council of the Blind. I want to work to bridge the gap between the ACB national leadership and our state and special interest affiliates. Working to create a mentoring program to develop new leaders is important to me as well as creating programs to introduce ACB to blind and visually impaired youth. I hope I can count on your vote in July. Hello, my name is Denise Colley and I'm seeking my second term for the Office of ACB Secretary. 
I currently serve as co-chair of the ACP Scholarship Committee, and I've also served as chair of the ACP Board of Publications and on the ACP Board of Directors. In these capacities, I've had the opportunity to oversee all the ways in which ACP communicates, both internally and externally. I believe that the ways in which ACB communicates with our members plays a crucial part in what keeps this vital organization going, and I want to work to ensure those lines of communication are stronger and more transparent. I would appreciate your vote. Thank you. All right. Well, I want again, I want to thank all the candidates that have been able to join us today. And if any of you need to leave, that's perfectly understandable. I know I've kept you longer than I had originally um, promised. Um, but I also want to welcome Linda Perel and Lori Scharf, who are both um, members. I'm not sure if you're co-chairs of yeah, the ACB Women's. <laughs> I thought so, but I wasn't positive. Um, of the ACB Women's Committee. And first of all, could you just tell us, tell everyone a little bit more about the Women's Committee? I know it used to be the Women's Concerns Committee, and that got, I think that name got changed somewhere along the line. I'm not sure why, but it did. Um, maybe you can tell us why. And just tell us what the committee does, and then we can kind of get into what you're doing at convention. And welcome to both of you. Terry, this is kind of, can I just say thank you to you before Lori, the Lori's come on, Lori and Linda come on. I just want to say thank you for having us or having me today. I do have to bow out. I have another meeting. So um, thank you and good luck to everyone. And I enjoyed today. So thank you, everyone. Thank you, Connie. Thank you, Terry. So this is Lori. Um, and I can thank Terry for getting me involved in ACB because when she worked at ACB, she uh, she got me involved in much more than I originally started in. <laughs> um, but I've been on the Women's Concerns Committee, I think, since about 2000, which seems like eons ago. And um, we were AC, uh, we were Women's Concerns. And then when Linda took over as chair, she had requested a name change. And then now I'm back co-chairing with her. So um, we just kind of felt that having the concerns in there, it, you know, it's just ACB women was more of a general term. Um, I found sometimes when I was chairing that people thought they could only bring like gripes to us. Um, so it, that it makes sense. It's yeah. kind of a broader topic. And um, so, yeah. And Linda? Um, yeah, okay. I'll carry this forward a little. Um, I did, uh, I joined the committee sometime during Mitch's presidency of ACB, was uh, honored to be appointed by him. I know there are a lot of women who approach us and say, we'd love to be members of the committee. And when I explain, the committee, uh, how to get on a committee, then that tends to um, separate those who are really uh, motivated and really gung-ho about it from someone who would just really want to be involved in women's issues. So we have, uh, the committee is now 
doing two regular activities. We got on the community calls uh, train. We have a, a monthly call on the second Wednesday of the month uh, with different topics each month. Um, we've talked about um, being moms and grandmas. That's been a lot of fun. Uh, and uh, we have talked about um, uh, more general calls, getting topics for future calls. Laurie's going to do a call soon about setting boundaries. So that um, our committee has 12 members right now. And um, I wanted to name change, yeah, I, I thought Women's Concerns was kind of 70s-ish and we didn't really need to come across that way anymore. So ACB Women, that gets us up the chain in the list of affiliates as well because we're not way down the bottom of the w. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> so, That's true, too. <laughs> the other main activity we do is that um, a former chair, Bernice Kandarian, was looking for somebody to start a breast cancer support group for blind women. And so she tapped me um, because I was a social worker and had had breast cancer. And she tapped Laurie, who is a gifted uh, counselor, and she tagged uh, our friend Bonnie Rennie at the time to run that. We started in December 2008, and it's been going on almost monthly, taking a month off here and there for Christmas or convention month, what have you. Or apologies. Yeah, apologies. Oh, that's right. That's right. Elections. If it falls on election night, Linda's not there. So, <laughs> so, so we've had this, this uh, uh, group since then. We ha actually have one person who has perfect attendance. So we can get women who are newly diagnosed, going through treatment, you know, readjusting to life after treatment, further, you know, living a long time, being healthy, getting recurrences. And over time, we've had to say goodbye to members that we've lost along the way as well. So it's, it's a vibrant group. It's kind of small. We're very um, eager to have anyone. Nobody wants to get that pink membership card in the mail. But if you get it, we are there and, and are willing to help out in, in any way we can. And um, as for convention, we have three activities. Um, Saturday, the first Saturday evening, uh, well, uh, late afternoon, uh, we have um, Sister Power Happy Hour. When we have live conventions, it's Sister Power Breakfast, but obviously that's not an option. So this year we have um, Debbie Hazelton and Pam Shaw as our speakers. Oh, uh, going, yeah, and so that's Saturday. Wednesday afternoon, we have Leslie Spoon doing a, a yoga session. And on Thursday afternoon, I'm going to lead a panel uh, co-sponsored with Ivy, uh, Artist Basin. And um, Leslie's going to be on that and a woman from Ivy named Norma Bogey. And where the topic is, so you want to be an, an, an entrepreneur. It's about women in business. And um, that should be a fun new topic. So that's it for um, what we're doing um, going forward. And we encourage 
everybody to attend our monthly calls and um, get get connected with ACB Women. Okay, so let me ask a question. Um, your call. What is your call called, or does it have a name? Uh, I, you know, I, I'm wondering if That's people have gotten, it, I, I'm yeah, wondering yeah. if people gotten it confused with the she shed. It's interesting that you raise that, Terry, because I do believe that all of the calls should say if they're sponsored. And I've I've mentioned that a couple of times, but um, it I think it just shows up as ACB women. Yeah. And it's hosted by. Illinois Council of the Blind because we use their Zoom information. Um, and it's the uh, third Wednesday, Linda? Second, second Wednesday. Oh, okay. I knew it was Wednesday. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, you know, Terry, you're absolutely correct. I think we need a catchy thing. I actually got on the she shed one time again. I'm going to check this out to see how similar it is to our call. And it's very different, so Lisa, when I yeah, talk with them. So. Our calls are very, you know, structured. They have a topic. Um, the first two meetings that we had, we kind of had just an open meeting, and we took suggestions from people that attended the meetings, and we've compiled those suggestions and kind of done some committee-wide soul-searching and come up with some additional topics. Exactly. You know, we try to um, keep the topics when we're because we strongly believe in the in the ACB disclaimer that we're not a, a therapeutic group or uh, mm -hmm. so forth. We 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 touch on but can't go too deeply into issues of trauma or domestic violence or I mean, but people have come on, have shared a bit of that, but the, this um, we we need to. Uh, put a, a, a boundary around how deeply we can explore some of those issues. Hello, this is Jane. Can I hop in with a question? Sure. Shall I do that? Yes, yes. Go, ahead. go right ahead. Yes, I really am very interested in ACB women. Um, I suggest that when you announce your ACB women's call, there be there be a colon and then a in uh, topic, you know, this month's topic, blah, blah. So we're very clear because I've hesitated and I really appreciate the fact that you must set a respectful welcome, but a boundary around um, sexual abuse and harassment. However, those are workplace topics and they need to be addressed formidably for sure. So that's all. Yes, we um, we do fill it out on the form that gets submitted so that ACB knows it doesn't, um, you know, it doesn't to me, like when you look through like the community list events, it doesn't seem to make it on to those events like uh, the same thing happened to me there's a call that I thought was sponsored by the Braille Re Revival League and when I reached out to somebody from the Braille Revival I can't talk Revival League it was not it was just sponsored by somebody who's 
you know, knows Braille. Um, you yeah, know, I, I did the same thing. <laughs> Wait, did I find out the wrong way? <laughs> yeah, so we're, we'll, we appreciate this. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely mention that, like that tagline yeah. to be included. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. it definitely and, goes in there. It just doesn't seem to make it over to. It, you know what it did? It doesn't pop up because it has, doesn't have a nifty little name like she shed or, you know, well, you know what? This is Penny. Um, this is exactly the kind of thing the BOP needs to work on. We need to format, make sure those lists are formatted both for ACB radio and or ACB media now and the community list so that they really communicate to people mm -hmm. who sponsors what, what it's for and what the topic is. And yeah. I think that's something that we could certainly, um, you know, that, that could become one of the issues at, at our meetings. And by the way, BOP meetings are public meetings and if you have issues like that you should bring them to us it right now um right not in july but starting in august the bop meets the first tuesday of every month um between i think we start at nine not between nine and and the end of the 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 middle of the night sometimes well, uh, but, uh, <laughs> yeah unfortunately but, but, but members, first... members who just attend are brought onto the agenda it's like the fourth item and so I, yeah. I really hope that if you guys have issues like that, you'll bring them to the BOP. Unfortunately, that's the night of our best guest group. It starts at five. You can also uh, write to eight, us. Write to eight, us. Eight, and, yeah. and thank yeah, you, yeah. Penny. Thank you, Penny, for for bringing yeah. that up because neither Linda nor myself understood that that was a BOP issue. Well, it's a communications yeah, exactly. issue within that within the organization, mm -hmm. and it's important. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I will shoot you an email after uh, after we get Enjoy. off. Today. Be great. And this is this is Zelda. I've I've already wrote myself a note. It's on my to-do yeah. list. So we'll <laughs> remember it, Penny. We'll okay? get to it. Yeah. Okay. I just want to say thank you to the ACB women. Um I I always um make it a priority to attend your your sister power breakfast um when, when we're at convention and I'll be at, at the event this year too. Um, it's it's always a very inspirational, uplifting time. I enjoy hearing, um, you know, other women's stories. Um, you know, we have much to learn from one another, and I just thank you for giving us an opportunity to to do that, to to listen to one another, and and to um, be empowered, you know, by by one another's stories. Um, it was my privilege to to be included as as one of those presenters uh, here a few years ago. I think yep. it was Peggy Peggy Garrett and I, and um, you know it it's always a um, a highlight of my convention week. So thank you, thank you. Thank you. I know I absolutely yeah. intend to uh, to listen to it this this during this convention when is it again? Pam again. <laughs> i am that, that's exactly my point i am so glad to hear the pam show is getting back involved in acb she's participating on a couple of different things yes, during yeah. the convention it's, for those I, of you who haven't been around forever pam shaw is she's probably one of the best facilitators i have ever encountered oh yeah of a certainly. meeting she's fabulous at that kind of thing she's got a wonderful personality she um was at one time she was the first or second vice president of ACB. First, I think, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think Harry, it was could first. I say I just... something, please? 
Um, you, you were going to be the very next thing after okay. me. <laughs> okay. I didn't want to, I oh, wanted to make yeah, sure. No, I hadn't, it's... I hadn't missed you. I, you were going to be the very next thing. I just jumped in on Pam. Um, yeah, but I, just I agree so about Pam. Pam is coming back. Um, but Viola, absolutely. Please join um, us. I did not know this is Viola Benson and I have just gotten started. I started hosting last year and I'm not going to go into my story because it, it includes breast cancer. So that's why I'm has a question. I didn't know that you had a breast cancer group. I didn't have, have it listed anywhere. Have never seen it. We, I was diagnosed last year, so it's very recent wow. for me. And so I would like to join the group. So how would I do that? Or how would anybody who wants to do that? We, okay, so we haven't listed it on the community list. Um, and the reason that we haven't done that is because um, we don't have um, we don't have somebody to um, you know that's ACB credentialed to um, to, to host it or whatever their term is. So well, you just the, I I do so. Yeah, no, I uh, I'm, no, but I'm I mean, here, I'm just yeah. saying. I wanted to join the group, whether it's on community calls or not. Okay. So you just... can, yeah, you can email myself or Linda. I'll just give you my email address. I don't think you Wait, can do that. I'm not supposed to do that over oh. there. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, can't do that. All right. Um, hmm. You know um, what? Is it, is it on a website well, somewhere? Uh, I don't know, but if you look up the in, spelling in, of my first in <laughs> Hey, she's, she's on a lot of the of, if you're on the Leslie Leslie oh Leslie hi hi uh, it's Leslie <laughs> so she could probably write to community at acb.org and get with Cindy and then she can get your Cindy email will send her yeah. over to us sure. yeah you can either do it yeah. through Cindy or the other thing if you want for today if you want to use the visibility's email address since that's a not a personal address I can connect you to connect the two of you or do it through community I okay. also think Thank that you. the Either ACB one. office would give it yeah. to her yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. It's, but it's, you are 100% right about getting the word out more. Uh, somebody just referred an, a, a new member to me um, that's going to join us in September. And, you know, I just feel like we, we need to step up our game in terms of, of making that available in a spot where it'll be seen more regularly. Absolutely. So oh, it's Viola who we, who we should expect to hear from. Is that right? Yes. I, I yes, think that's right. Have a good turnout. Okay. Yeah. Thank Thanks, Terry. And you know what might be an idea is to even to do a brief article and put it in the forum. I did that a few years ago. But yeah. No but but I'm mean, thinking, you know, something yeah. a little bit more updated, like with Viola. It's something that people have just, you know, getting are constantly getting. Um, yeah. diagnosed yeah we we actually um i thought about that because one of the participants in our group actually just wrote an article that went into her state's newsletter that's right um so that would be good something good to share yeah and, and, and it wouldn't and it would certainly wouldn't hurt to put it out on the conversation mm -hmm. list or the leadership yeah. list well yeah. and media has a calendar now you should talk to jeff bishop and get it on the media calendar oh, all right. oh that's a good point too that's mm. a very good point as well and terry we're getting close to the top of the hour so Thank just you. letting you know we are so um 
we're getting terribly close to it. I'm just realizing, <laughs> oh, my goodness, Lori, we didn't get to education. Well, That's, thank you, Terry, for inviting us anyway, before we finish. We were That's supposed to do a whole third section on the, on uh -huh. special education. If you guys Lori, would like I'm to. I'm sorry, uh, but we're at That's we're at okay. Time. You don't have to because we're doing podcasts, nothing at convention. Okay. <laughs> All right, but we uh, actually, uh, I very well may ask you to do something about it on visibilities in August. Okay. Because uh, we need to do something more about it. Uh, in, a, in a bunch of different topics. I want to thank everyone, all of our candidates, Lori and uh, Linda, um, all of you who have been joining us here on this Zoom call and all of you who are listening to us uh, via ACB Media One. And thank you all. I want to thank Anthony. I hope I didn't destroy his program too badly. Um, <laughs> and just wish you all well and thank Byron because I would have been totally lost without Byron here today to take care of things uh, behind the scenes. And I am going to be quiet and have him do the last two commercials for candidates and take care everyone. And we'll see you all at convention at all of the special interest mm -hmm. affiliate sessions. Thank you, Terry. Hi, I'm Penny Reader, and I'm popping in to ask you to vote for me. I am running for my second term on the Board of Publications. I think we've made some good progress in making ACB communications excellent in so many different ways because communications with ACB and the general public as well are very important. Please vote for me for the Board of Publications. I'm looking forward to serving you again. Thank you. Hi, I'm Zelda Gebhardt, a dedicated, hardworking volunteer with low vision. Roles as editor, vice president, and president of NDAB, and as director and first vice president of CCLVI has prepared me for leadership in ACB. Please vote for me to remain on the BOP. You've been listening to Sunday Edition with Anthony on ACB Radio Mainstream. For more information, questions, comments, feedback, suggestions, etc., please email celebrationac, that's the word celebration, with the letters ac at aol.com. Look forward to hearing from you, and let's brunch again next Sunday.